You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked on Mets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Mets. Now, over the weekend, the Mets were essentially eliminated from playoff contention as they lost their series against the Atlanta Braves. They got some good pitching performances from Steven Matz and Rick Porcello, but ultimately a bad start by Steven Matz, and the bats going quiet on Sunday cost the Mets this series, and now with only seven games left to play, the chances of the Mets making the playoffs are essentially limited to them winning out. So, with that all being said, I don't want to talk about those games in today's podcast. Instead, there was some interesting reporting on Sunday night as Sandy Alderson could be coming back into the Mets front office when Steve Cohen takes over as the owner. I want to talk about those reports and what it could mean for the Mets in the first half of the show. Then later on in the second half of the show, I want to go back and look at the trade deadline deals that Bertie Van Wagenen made that were supposed to put the Mets over the top and explain why he continues to prove to be very short-sighted in his maneuverings over the last couple of years. Before we get to any of that though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsMarizeOnline.com. Now, Andy Martino of SNY was the first that reported that Sandy Alderson could be returning to the Mets. You may remember Alderson ran the team as the GM from 2010 through 2018, obviously highlighted by the Mets' appearance in the World Series in 2015. Alderson in 2018 had to leave the team to get some chemo treatment for cancer and ultimately fell on his sword when it came to that team's you know, failure and their struggling performance and resigned. And if you look back at that team and everything that has gone on after it, I really think Sandy Alderson was a scapegoat. That was not justified, and on top of it, we still see the fruits of his tenure with the Mets when you look at all the great players on this roster that Alderson drafted or signed as international free agents. So, this news is very interesting. The New York Post and Joel Sherman reported that Steve Cohen is weighing this possibility and that the role would be an advisory role, maybe even a president role for Alderson. It's very vague right now. Alderson hasn't commented. There's really not been any official reporting from Mets Brass or from Steve Cohn or anything like that. But this is now appearing like an interesting possibility. Alderson would always brief the board of directors, according to Joel Sherman in his article, which included Cohen during his tenure as the GM. So there was a little bit of a relationship there, and one source told Sherman that Cohen has continued his relationship 
with Alderson and has consulted with him even after Alderson left the team and ultimately became an advisor to the A's. One source also said that, and again, this is all according to Joel Sherman's reporting, that Alderson could make a push to bring back Paul DePodesta, who was in the Mets front office before, who they were close, dating back to their time with the A's, and also DePodesta was the GM for the Dodgers at one point. He then went and became the chief strategy officer for the Cleveland Browns in the NFL. So that could be a potential GM, a potential president. It is interesting how Alderson could be the person that constructs the Mets next front office. There is going to be a lot of decisions that have to be made. And Sandy Alderson is going to be most likely at the table with Cohen making these decisions on how the Mets proceed. Now, Andy Martino has reported throughout the past week that Cohen would rather add baseball people to his staff than fire them. So that could mean that Brody Van Wagenen is safe. And I talked about this last week where I don't know what to do with Van Wagenen's tenure because if Jeff Wilpon is telling him at the trade deadline to make these deals and make moves and if it's you know, the micromanaging of Jeff that's causing Brody to make stupid decisions, then maybe these trades that everyone blames Brody for aren't exactly his fault. At the same time, this is different than Alderson's tenure as GM. There is no question about it. There's a different vibe around the Mets the last two years than when you had Alderson at the top of the organization. Sandy Alderson has been in baseball forever. He is a leader. And when Alderson had that job, it felt like you had someone who was firmly at the wheel, driving everything the New York Mets did. And I don't know if he simply said no to Jeff Moore. I don't know exactly what the dynamics were. But he represented a strong face of the Mets that wasn't getting fleeced in trades that was being very calculated with when it was time to go for it and when it was time to lose. Because if you remember, Alderson comes in right after the Madoff stuff, right after those teams with Jose Reyes, David Wright, Carlos Beltran never reached the heights that they wanted. And as opposed to re-signing Reyes, re-signing Wright, you know, keeping Beltran, doubling, tripling down, and just trying to go for it, he knew that this farm system needed to get rebuilt and it was time to start over, and he made a lot of shrewd moves. He didn't give Reyes a contract and match what the Marlins paid him in Miami. He looked at David Wright and said, you're the one person that we need to keep to keep Mets fans engaged because you are the franchise player. We're going to assign you to a long-term deal, and hopefully in three or four years, the Mets will be competitive and you will be still here as the cornerstone that we have built around. It worked. Unfortunately, David's health did not, but you look at the trades he made. The R.A. Dickey contract and later trade was genius. He signed him to a team-friendly deal that has an option. On his last year of that contract, Dickey's a Cy Young, exercised the team option, Flip them to Toronto, you get Noah Syndergaard and Travis Darno. 
Of course, before that, you had the Carlos Beltran, Zach Wheeler trade that worked for the Mets. The Curtis Granderson signing was a good one. And even with everything that worked in 2015, there were some bad deals along the way. I mean, would you have signed Michael Kadire to that contract after playing Colorado? Probably not. Jay Bruce and Joanna Cespedes were maybe given extensions after their great play as rentals that the Mets maybe shouldn't have signed in retrospect. And, you know, Alderson never really was able to build a great bullpen, made some mistakes along the way with that. But despite all of that, he is a great top flight executive, someone who can oversee everything and make sure you don't make mistakes, make sure you don't get pushed around by other teams. And I don't think that Bertie Van Wagenen has commanded the same respect around baseball as Sandy did. That's just, in my opinion, a matter of fact. And what Alderson can do with this team is he can bring that stability back into the organization. And really, he can point Steve Cohen in the right direction. But the biggest question is, what do the Mets do with Brody Van Wagenen? Does he stick around? I want to talk about that and how it relates after this trade deadline, which really hasn't worked for the Mets, and get into the final pieces in those deals as we've learned some of the players to be named later and what all those trades have done for the future of the Mets in just a minute here. Hiring is more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Built Bar is back with 18 amazing flavors, including six new flavors, such as the Caramel Brownie Bar, the Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and the Apple Almond Crisp. These really are protein bars that taste like candy bars covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew, and they are healthy too. Coming low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Go to BuiltBar.com to try them today and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Now I wanted to talk about the trade deadline because the Mets made these moves to, I guess, become contenders. (laughs) And now that the playoffs seem very unlikely, it is interesting to revisit, especially since we now know the player to be named later in the Miguel Castro trade and also in the Ariel Hirado trade 
which took place sometime before the deadline. And I want to start there because this is the prospect that some Mets fans care about. Steve or Steven Villainous, and I probably butchered that last name. Apologies to Steve. But this is a relief pitcher, a 10th round pick for the Mets in 2017, who has worked exclusively as a reliever and has pitched over 155 innings in the Mets farm system. He was not a top 30 prospect. He was not part of the player pool until they added him so that he could be traded to the Rangers. But it's a 25-year-old who had a sidearm delivery, which had produced great results so far in the minor leagues. A 2.67 ERA. His strikeout-to-walk rate was 5.31. That is very good. 11.1 strikeout per nine. Also outstanding. He didn't pitch great with his first little stint in AAA last year, but it was only 16 innings, and he had a 1.20 ERA in AA before receiving that promotion. Now, is this a guy that's really going to hurt? Is he going to become Josh Hader? Probably not. But the fact is, he could have been in the Mets bullpen next year. Hell, if they wanted to add him to the player pool, maybe even this year. And instead, you take a 25-year-old reliever who has some pretty good results in the minor leagues, and you trade him. And I don't even really care about losing this guy that much. That's not even the problem with this trade. It's really not. He could have helped at some point, and it's what you received. Ariel Jurado. Ariel Jurado. A guy who I'm sorry has terrible career numbers, has a representative sample size at the big league level of failing, makes his one start with the Mets this year, gets lit up, and we might never see again. Why make that trade? Because you see something? Because he was a top prospect at one time? Just like Rick Porcello won a Cy Young at one time? Although today's not the day to crush Rick Porcello. Hats off to him for pitching a gem on Sunday. Still though, it is this chasing of names of, oh, this guy at one point was a top prospect. This guy at one point won an NLCS MVP. Let's bring him in. And I feel like that might have been the motivating factor in getting Hurado. And it was a wasted deal. You don't have to make that trade. Now, you look at that. You keep going down the list. You have the Miguel Castro trade. Castro... Another pitcher with a representative sample size of being a replacement level bullpen arm at best throughout his career. The Mets make a trade and send Kevin Smith. I've already railed about that. Go back to my trade deadline podcast and that was the whole thing. How can you trade a major league caliber starting pitcher who could have been in your rotation in 2021 for a middle reliever, essentially, thinking that Castro is a setup man. How do you make that deal? Just one for one. Now we know another player, the player to be named later, is Victor Gonzalez, a shortstop uh, hailing for Dominican Republic. He has yet to begin his professional career, would have started this year. He was signed as an international free agent in the 2019-2020 class for $250,000. So basically, this is a guy that the Orioles... Probably wanted also, 
He signs with the Mets instead. Now you send him over in this deal. A throw-in that most likely doesn't matter, but I have no idea what he becomes, and I'm not even mad that they lose Victor Gonzalez, but it goes back to losing Kevin Smith and Victor Gonzalez for a guy, Miguel Castro, who has a 4.05 ERA since coming to the Mets and a more glaring 2-1-0 whip. That means he comes in in an inning, and he's putting two guys on base, more than two guys on base, before he maybe gets out of it. That's not very good, <laughs> simply put. So you look at that, and you say, what was the point of that trade? To put the Mets over the top didn't work. Then you have the other deals with the Rangers that haven't been completed. Robinson Chirinos, who was 4 for 23 as a Met, and that is an improvement upon what he hit with the Rangers as he has batted below the Mendoza line all season. And Todd Frazier, who is 6 for 29, 207 batting average so far with the Mets, 233 on base, 379 slugging percentage. Now, don't know the players to be named later. We do know that Steve Cohen will have to give both of those guys a buyout to get out of that contract because they have options for next season. But here's the problem with those deals. You blocked Tomas Nito inadvertently and very clearly Luis Guillorme. Now, I say inadvertently with Nito because he was still recovering from COVID, but he's been at the alternate site for at least a week now. He would likely be back if not for Chirinos. But because Chirinos is there, because Nito is out of options, I'm pretty sure he's in COVID limbo where the Mets aren't clearing him because they don't have a spot for him on the roster. And Tomas Nito, prior to hitting the COVID IL, was hitting 292 with a 346 on base percentage and a 583 slugging percentage. Small sample size of 24 at bats, but he worked really hard this offseason and was showing, hey, maybe he is a solid option as a catcher for this team. And instead of developing a player who you want to audition to see what he can do in 2021 in what is very clearly from the outside looking in a lost season, you take a performing young player in Nito and you replace him with an aging player in Torinos who is not performing. And they essentially do the same thing with Todd Frazier. Look, I was one of the people who said maybe Frazier gives you some type of weird clubhouse, you know, spark that propels the Mets on a run. I didn't completely hate it I, I I was I was indifferent right but I was hoping it wouldn't take from the playing time of Luis Guillorme and it did Guillorme was playing all the time September comes around and he gets 14 at bats on one start in the month before ultimately having to be optioned to the alternate site to get an extra pitcher on the roster over the weekend now Guillorme Sitting 347 this year with the 431 on base percentage. That's pretty outstanding, even in a 49 at bat sample. But if you go back to the second half of last year, he didn't quite hit 347, but he did perform pretty well. So now we're talking about maybe an 100 bat sample size of Luis Guillorme, proving he's a major league caliber hitter with an outstanding glove around the diamond in the infield. In August, he hit 412 
with a 500 on base percentage and a 500 slugging percentage and 34 at bats. And they brought in a replacement for him. Look, I could talk all day about this. I, I really can. I don't know where to point the blame. I- I've said that multiple times. You hear the reporting that Cohen might not want to remove baseball people. And I think Mets fans are saying, can you at least remove one? Can you at least remove the general manager that has made these calls time and again? Who has made trades that the Mets seem to have come out on the wrong side of? What I will say is Sandy Alderson, hopefully, if Brody stays, can be the guy that can tell him no or can kind of run him off some bad ideas, can tell him when's the window to contend, tell him when isn't. I want Brody in that front office for one reason and one reason only, to get JT Real Muto in a Mets uniform. So if Brody's here for one more year and Sandy Alderson becomes the president and Brody has to report to Sandy and they bring in a lot of analytical people to round out their front office and they really take a collective approach and it's no longer just one or two guys' vision, which it might have been the last couple of years with Brody and Jeff. I really don't know how that thing's been operating. I just know it's been operating poorly. If that happens, if Sandy's a top, if Brody's following under him, using his connection as an agent to maybe help the Mets with a guy like JT Realmuto for a season while Steve Cohen gets his feet wet and everyone kind of transitions to this new era of Mets baseball, I think that could be okay. But ultimately, if you go based on merit and performance and what happened at this trade deadline and what's happened over the last two years, Sandy Alderson and Steve Cohen would be taking interviews for the general manager position soon as next week. That'll be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Mets.